Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Resource Room Podcast. I'm so excited to talk about all things organization. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm a huge fan, so it's an honor to be talking with you today. It goes both ways. I followed you on social media for years. I love all the things that you put out into the world. I love your special education resource room or your special educators resource room. It's perfect. Everything you do just inspires and motivates and helps me stay organized. So thank you for being here. So nice to hear. Thanks. And we're going to start first with just an introduction. Tell us a little bit about teaching, what you're doing with TPT, all of that kind of thing, um, just so that listeners know a little bit about you. Sure, sure. Thanks. Um, I'm Jennifer, and I have been in education for over 25 years now. Um, I'm actually in year, it's like 28 but after 25, I just kind of stopped counting because I think more than 25 just sounds a little bit less old. <laughs> but I have had varied roles. Um, I'm dual certified. So it's early childhood, which is pre-K through third and special education. So I started off teaching music and arts and early childhood, then moved in special education, which was uh, both I had inclusion classroom settings and then I also had pull out like resource room settings. And then I moved into an instructional coaching role. So I was working with mostly special educators, whether new or veteran, all different grade levels, but then also working with gen ed teachers who may be new to co-teaching. So it's been fantastic. Um, Even though I've done a lot of those things, I feel like I'm just getting started. I have so much more I want to do, but I also share and create content for Positively Learning, which has been my passion for 11 years now. That's exciting. Thanks. It really flies. (laughs) Yes, it does. Well, what I love um, kind of about your experience is you've really done a lot and that instructional coaching role sounds really interesting. How many teachers were you coaching and was it like just for your school, for your district, for special education? What did that look like? Oh, that is a great question. Well, when I was in the classroom, I was at a school that had a teacher development leadership program. So it was really neat. I was coaching, but I was also getting coached on how to be a coach. So, I mean, it was very intense and very busy, but um, I never had any dreams of leaving the classroom. I absolutely loved what I was doing. However, my husband's job moved us across the country and we moved into um our home now in January, 2019, right in the middle of a school year. So I knew I would not be teaching that year and I accepted a part-time coaching position and it was all online. And they saw my background, so they immediately matched me for the most part with special education, which was fantastic. Although I really did enjoy working with gen ed also, especially if they were brand new to 
differentiation and co-teaching and so on. So it has been great. I didn't know I was going to love it as much as I did. That's good. That's like perfect timing, you know, and everything works out how it's supposed to be. And you're in just the right place at just the right time. Absolutely. And it was really interesting because even though I had never set out to be a coach and now I'm in that coaching position and I'm working with teachers, every teaching coaching cycle that I had with teachers was completely different. Like every setting was completely different. Every um, background, every situation was completely different. But one thing I noticed and, um, and you and I were chatting a little bit earlier, I was saying like, I keep on seeing common themes. Like there's really, when these questions come in, if I had to like put them into buckets or like topics, they would fit into these four categories over and over and over again. So when I was coaching or I have a Facebook group or getting emails, all of these questions tend to fall into the four topics. So I wanted to talk about them today and see, I thought if these questions kind of follow a common theme, then I bet a lot of other people have these same questions. So I can share them. And I know when I was in the classroom, if someone had asked me, like, what do you need help with? I'd be like, everything, <laughs> just everything. But if I had, whether that was true or not, but if I had had time to think about it and then I heard these topics, I'd be like, yes, that's what, <laughs> that's what I need help with. Also, sometimes when you feel like you're drowning, it does feel like everything. And really, maybe it's just some of these core areas that if you could like fine tune or get those where, you know, you need to be, it would all be good. But Absolutely. in the moment, it really feels like you're drowning. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's in the moment it does. And that's what was so neat about coaching. I, I felt like if I could have coached, like if I would have had the time to think like that when I was in the classroom, it would have been so much more impactful. And so that was what was exciting. It's like, oh, I finally have an opportunity to like, let's all take a breath. I can help. So it was interesting because my coaching was non-evaluative. So, and unfortunately, like many of the teachers were not like volunteering for this. They were kind of voluntold is what we called it. And so their school was like signing them up for coaching. And so they're, they're like, oh, a complete stranger's going to come in. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what to do. I would come in knowing exactly how it feels. And I would just say like, show me the words. Show me like what's a hot mess right now. And if you had a magic wand to wave and fix it, like show me that. And it was hard for some teachers, but many teachers would be like, here you go. <laughs> Please help. <laughs> this is dismissal or whatever it was. <laughs> but I still saw those four topics just come up over and over again. So I thought, do you want to guess <laughs> what those four topics are? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So here are my guesses. Just okay. and we're talking special education teachers, like what their biggest problems are, right? Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to go with mine. All right. Okay. <laughs> Over the years, I feel like I've worked on maybe for the good or the bad or whatever. Okay. So I'm going to say managing paperwork, like progress monitoring, <laughs> data collection, all the things, you know, like paperwork oriented. Definitely. I feel like working with gen ed teachers, because I feel like that's definitely something that either it's like a strength for you or a weakness for you. That's um, a great one. I would guess like just staying organized and being, you know, like you've got all this paperwork coming in and out. You've got lesson plans. You've got all the things just getting organized. And I 
am very blessed with my paraprofessionals. So I'm not <laughs> saying this in case any of them ever get wind of this podcast <laughs> recording. Right. I am not saying my paraprofessionals, but something that I see often or hear often from people like in my Facebook group and things, I would say paraprofessionals and just the interworkings. And maybe that goes with gen ed teachers. I don't know. Yeah. But those are, that probably would be falls. Yeah, probably falls into like communication. But what was so interesting about your four guesses, and I will say mine are a little bit different, but I will say, notice how all four guesses weren't about teaching. Right. 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 Like that's what I noticed too. I would see like fantastic teaching. I would see teachers making connections with students, teachers delivering engaging instruction, but they were exhausted. And so the four topics that they needed help with weren't actually teaching topics. And that's where I thought, okay, now I can really come in there and help the most. I can take care of some of this behind the scenes and help develop some systems so that you can go be a rock star, what you're doing. So I loved that process. So, okay, the four topics, one was paraprofessionals. Absolutely. And I have been also blessed with paraprofessionals that have saved my life, literally, that I wouldn't want to teach without them. And then I've also had the opposite side where I thought, let me just do it myself. It just would be easier. So that is definitely a topic that I'm asked about. And I enjoy like problem solving and finding solutions. Uh, One was differentiation. And I loved that one because that to me was the easiest to solve because what I was seeing the most often and this was often with gen ed teachers is they would have 28 students, 28 needs and trying to do 28 things. <laughs> so I could be like the hero and say, we're not going to do that. You know, we're going to save you six hours this week. And so those were always like kind of the fun coaching cycles, because at the end of our time, it was just night and day. You know, they they felt better because, again, it was never about teaching. I wasn't changing anything. I was looking for systems and places to save time. And so that was exciting. So that was always a great one. Data collection. That was a huge one. I would say that's number two. And it kind of goes with number one, which is the organization. And it's funny because often like that doesn't come out the words like I need more organization, but it comes out with like help. Like I don't know what's going on. And, and, and the thing is, it's not true. You do know what's going on. You just, it's the systems. And it's like, I always say it's one sticky note away from a disaster. You know, when you have that feeling and it just doesn't make you feel very good. And again, it's easier as an outside person to come in and help with that than it is when you're in the middle trying to do it. So those are the four topics I love to talk about. And I'd, I'd love to share a couple of the solutions today because I bet other people have the same questions. I agree. And if you're saying that organization is like the number one, I think that's where we start. And then we kind of watch the time, see how long the episode goes, and then we'll see how many of these we can tackle. But let's start with organization. What do you see? Um, you know, Like you said, sometimes it's not always, oh my gosh, I need help with organizing. What kinds of things are teachers coming to you? And then you kind of narrow it down and realize this is organization. That's the root of the problem. What are some suggestions that you have? Oh, goodness. I love to talk about this. And I love organization because number one, I'm kind of an organizing 
I absolutely love it. For my birthday last year, I treated myself to getting certified as an organizer <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> but I mean, and if somebody's like rolling their eyes going, oh no, then actually we would be good partnering up because I could do it and then help you. But one of the other big things is that getting organized just sometimes, I think when you get that clutter taken care of, it really helps your mental clutter so that you can focus and concentrate and your energy levels can remain because you're not worried about that paperwork stack that's tipping over in the background. So I really, I think it's more of a self-care way that I approach it. So my idea is if I was just listening, I would just say, you know, tell me everything. And, and many times people cannot articulate. It's just that feeling of exhaustion and overwhelm. But because of my background, I know where a lot of these things are going to lie. We have a lot of this paperwork. We have a lot of tasks that we just have to do over and over and over again. But we know like schools can change the way you do it. And there's a different form here and a different form there. So what I would suggest is like less is more and take a look at what's happening already. And I would say like, it is so fun for me to look at new organization systems and here and there. Try not to do that because we just want to put out this fire right now. <laughs> and so I would say, take one organization system. There are so many out there and go, go all in on that one rather than like trying to piecemeal it together. So I, um, I have one that is, I mean, it's free. I'm going to talk about it and like, you could do it this weekend. Anybody can do this. I know, I know I'm excited. And, um, and I talk about it a lot and I, I'm going to tell you what I call it and see if it makes sense. I call it special education swipe files. Do you know what a swipe file is? Well, okay, I do. <laughs> I feel like only because I also run a side business. And maybe exactly, like, yeah. I do not feel like other people know what a swipe file is. So what is <laughs> They oh. definitely don't. Most people are nodding like with me and then you see like their head tilt like, wait a minute, what? And it what? is a business term. <laughs> it comes from like advertising, I think, and marketing and so on. So a swipe file is like a big, massive cheat sheet, but you can create this yourself. And so I have a YouTube video and YouTube is free, so you can watch it. It's eight minutes, but I, I will say I'm going to do more of them and show more examples, but you could watch this video in eight minutes and get a lot of ideas to do a swipe file for yourself. So here is what I would suggest doing. And um, I will say it's really great to do it at the end of the year, even though I realize it is so busy, you know, and there's so you just want to give your keys and go. But it's a great time to do it because what you want to do is like organize your paperwork in categories. And I'm just going to use the IEP process as an example, but you could do this for data collection, behavior support, anything. So the IEP process, we know what we need. We need IEP reminder notes. We need the um, parental surveys to go home, gen ed reports. I mean, we know and we reach for them over and over again. So a swipe file is a very, very simple document and you would put everything hyperlinked into your document. So I'm going to back up a little bit. In the video, I show examples. I know a podcast is a little difficult to picture it, but I surveyed teachers and I said, what's your favorite format. And Google Docs was the winner, but you could use um, Excel. 
Google Sheets. You could use your Google Keep on your phone, whatever you want. But I said, you know, organize everything you need and like open up a table and just think about like a list of those to-dos. And then next to each one, hyperlink the document that goes with it, whether it's a district document, one that you've created your own, one from your school. So for gen ed reports, because we know we have meetings and we have to communicate like a certain amount of weeks in advance. Next to that, I would have the gen ed reports and then I'd have a hyperlink to the report I'm gonna send them. But I would also have a hyperlink to the email like, so I could just copy and paste. Hi, mm -hmm. our meeting's coming up. It's on this date for this student. It's like a fill in the blank. And then I would say, you know, thank you so much. This teamwork, this is like so helpful. Let me know if you have any questions. The paperwork is due on this day. And that way you have, you know, you do these tasks over and over again. You have your swipe file. You can open it up, cut and paste your email, cut and paste the document. You're done. So if you had this list of tasks over and over again in like the order that they happen, like at the bottom would be IP snapshots. The meeting is over. We're doing our snapshot of it. That would help save you so much time. So when I was helping teachers organize, I was thinking, okay, what do we have? Let's make a list. Let's put it all in this one document. I mean, it'd be great if it's one page, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. yeah. You have one document living on your desktop or wherever it's helpful for you. That is it. And that also helped us identify like what's missing. What do we still need? Especially like if we're making one for data collection or so on. You then you can you can edit it, you can make it your own, but that's just you're not gonna have that feeling of where is it? <laughs> and what happened to it and do I even have it? You know, like that. I used to just search my files going, what? you know, in 2014. <laughs> so that's what I would suggest doing. So, I mean, does it sound easy to make a document? Absolutely. That sounds so much easier. And then even you don't miss a step that way. You know right. exactly what you have to do because it's literally all listed out for you. Absolutely. It serves as a checklist, but I mean, I, I think my favorite thing about it is just, you don't have to name a file. Yeah. I mean, you have one file it's all hyperlinked. So I would hyperlink to Google Drive or whatever makes the most sense for you, but that way you're not searching for those files. So you could even take that to a meeting if you, almost like a security blanket, you know, just in case you think you might've missed something, you've got it all in one place. In the essence, it's like having a big folder, but it's just like a one pager. So what I've done in this YouTube video, you'll see, um, and hopefully it'll spark ideas thinking, I could do this. Like, this afternoon, but I also have created them where I've created them. I have them available, but they're editable. So you could switch them out and make them your own. But that to me has been the funnest thing. And you can hear how just simple it is. I'm very much a less is more. I love shiny things and new things and school supplies, but there's a time when it's just so much. So just to get that in that one document. Do you ever feel like all the shiny things and all the cool apps and all the cool this and that is what sometimes makes it overwhelming? Like I, my husband is the most simple, he teaches kindergarten. And so he oh. is like, less is more, you know, like, I, I don't know, just everything for him is so simple. And he arrives at school on time. He leaves school on time. He does, you know, like, and then here I am like, oh my gosh, I want to do this because I'm making it harder on myself. 
Do you think shiny objects and all the cute binders and all the cute folders (laughs) and school supplies make, we make it harder on ourselves? Well, I definitely agree. I mean, the end result is it's overwhelming. However, I think we continue to do it because we're always looking for better to serve our students. And I know like I was organized and I could do better. So I think like it comes from a really good place. (laughs) But what I like about these types of systems is you use what you already have. As you're making this table, it's revealing what you don't have. But the reason I had mentioned earlier to do this at the end of the year, like as you're organizing all that paperwork, you're probably auditing, you know, what had happened and filing. (laughs) That's a great time to do it so that when the beginning of the year starts and they start throwing like new training at you, everything has a place to go so that you are you're almost like building a home. And that way they're giving you a new document like the day before our school starts <laughs> and then you can say no problem swipe files edit the link exactly edit the link and I've got it so it's almost like you're building that home and your husband sounds like he's just naturally like everything has a place mm-hmm. so if he does get something new he probably knows where it already goes and we like stack it <laughs> and it looks really nice and then he just have to keep moving it you know and we don't use them as well <laughs> One thing for him, whenever, let's say, we go to Target or we go wherever, and I'm like, oh, this is so cute. He knows I don't need it. He oh, knows. he's so good. Yes. And so, like, <laughs> he can resist that urge to then, you know, shift gears or change whatever or vice versa. He knows I'm in search of this one thing because uh, that's what I need. That's where the gap is. That's what I'm lacking. Where for me, I'm like, oh, I love all the Target things and, you know, Target. What can I do with this? (laughs) That's what I think. It's like, well, this is, I'll buy it just in case I think of, you know, whatever. And I don't need all those things. Well, you know, I have a very sad story to share with you. Since I, in the past few years, I've really moved from like creating teaching or resources to teach with and to work with students, which I still love to do. I have moved more to teaching organization and supporting the actual teacher rather than, because they're supporting their students, I'll support you. And it has made Target so much less fun because I don't, I I know what I have because I'm organized now. Now I know that buying something is going to add to the clutter and not to the, or, and so getting organized comes with a warning. <laughs> There's like, you won't have as much fun shopping because you know you don't need it. So. Imagine the relief, though, then that comes with everything has a place, you know where everything is at, you can find it, you're not going to miss things, like imagine the relief that comes with that organization, too. Absolutely. And that is that you cannot buy. It's like I'm giving you some brain space back because you don't have to think about it. You don't have to wonder. And I, that's the part that I get so like geeked out about. That's the part I get excited. Would you say that's the number one mistake that people make is just not there. Like there is no system there. It's just all this hot mess of things that don't really flow or make sense. Or do you feel like there's something else that teachers do as that number one mistake? I do think it's a system. And it's funny because my husband um, isn't in the education world. He's like in the business corporate world. And everything was given to him. And then he just takes it and makes it all happen. And I thought, 
why why can't someone give me something like here i am like you year 28 <laughs> just figuring it out and i thought i hope i figure this out before i retire like why don't they teach that to you when you're younger and i do think it takes a matter of experience and a matter of like expertise and teachers do not have the time because that is not a high priority but let me do it you know i can come in and help because i know it will give you your your space back yeah well, I even know too, speaking to the, they're not teaching you these things. I like, let's just take the evaluation process, for example. When I first started at our district or my current district, I had taught special education in another district. So I had experience with evaluations, but it was very different. Every place does it differently. And so I feel like now I kick butt at evaluations because I've made mistakes and I learned the hard way. Because it's like, oh, well, I forgot that I'm going to need to have this translated. I forgot that I'm the one that's supposed to, or I shouldn't even use the word forgot. I did not know. Right. Until then, it's like we all get to the meeting and somebody's like, well, did you make a copy of the psych report? Well, no, I'm not the psychologist. I thought the psychologist would make a copy of the report. But in that point, that's how they did it. You know, So it's like just learning all of those ins and outs. And so I learned it by screwing it up. And so isn't that the truth? Like you don't know what you don't know until you sit down at the table. (laughs) Yes. And then you're like, I will never do that again because I am not going to show up to that meeting as the TOR and not have a copy of the psych report for everyone. Like I, I think at that time I had one, I, you know, as I was working on my paperwork, I printed one for myself, threw it in the file. But yeah. I didn't make one for everyone. And that's just a difference of what district you work in. And Absolutely. so I feel like, you know, like you said, if there was just a step-by-step process, you wouldn't make those rookie mistakes, Yeah, you know, by things like that. And the same goes for writing an IEP, holding a case conference, mm-hmm. doing your progress monitoring. There's a system or could be a system. Absolutely. Even with these swipe files, I think to myself, okay, you're going to basically plagiarize yourself. Think (laughs) about that first time you sat in that meeting or, you know, and did something for the first time and you spent, you know, three days writing a report. (laughs) Now is like half an hour, but you know what? You did it. And I'm not saying plagiarize yourself like you're just going to cut and paste to use it again. Make an exemplar. You know, if you write your present levels and you've written it for three times, you know, the amount of time you thought it was going to be, Use that as an exemplar, turn that into a template. And that is, it does take time to build them, but by making that swipe file, then you can see, I need a present levels. I don't have a good one. These are not cutting it. I need to go find one, but I would not have known that without getting that organized and seeing that gap. And then you'll start seeing yourself save time because it's not taking you three hours to write every IEP because you can pick and choose what do you already have that you can copy, paste, and customize? So exactly, that it, I like it's that. It's that student, you know, and and then you're also saving time that way. Absolutely, and not only are you saving time, because I I care about like the teacher themselves, because you're the one in front of the students. We want to take care of you, so you can go do that. But we also you're doing better work when you're working from exemplars that you have written, you know, you're plagiarizing yourself, but you've written them at a time where it was like you were diving into it. And then you do want to visit, like tweak and get them better, you're doing better work that way in less time, which is exciting. And I think that like you, we were talking, I was saying organizations, almost like a self-care, you feel better. And when you feel better, everything's going to work better. <laughs> 
you deserve to feel that way. I agree. Absolutely. Anything else that you want to say about organization? And if not, we'll move on to our next one, which is that data collection and order of frequency. Yeah, yeah. Well, the data, I can definitely move on. I mean, you'll find when I talk, everything leads back to organization. (laughs) There's a common theme. It's not just organization. It's like self-care, save time, you know, getting things together and so that you can teach. But data collection does fall very much into that as well. My biggest thing, and this sort of goes with the, the next bucket, differentiation, is just take an inventory of what you're already doing. Data collection does not mean you need to do something separate necessarily. Take an inventory of what you're doing. Are you in the inclusion classroom setting and always given like gen ed, maybe given gen ed curriculum, and then also like unit assessments that everyone's taking? Let's start there. What can we do? And this is like, where where can we get data from what our students are doing? It was so interesting. My students um, one year had to take spelling and I... (laughs) I was not a fan and I spoke up about that and I didn't, it was not good. It was just was not good. It was not good for our, um, how we felt about ourselves, you know, to be doing this every Friday. And so I, we were really working on like, you know, resilience and persistence and things like that. But what I also turned them into was we were working on initial sounds. I'm giving a word to spell. They have to spell the test. I'm taking data collection on initial sounds because I have to I have to administer this test. That's data collection. We're doing 10 words every week. So there it is. I have that done. That's that's what I mean by taking inventory of what's already happening that you can collect data from. It's almost like a swipe file, you know. <laughs> I keep talking about those, but it's the very similar. I can make a list of what's already happening, my students' goals and objectives and progress monitoring and see where they match and see where those gaps are. Then we can look at those awesome systems and getting things together. But I don't try to make data collection separate than my teaching day. I just think that's asking a lot of teachers to do. I think that was one of my rookie mistakes. You know, my first few years, it was like I felt like I had to stop everything and teach or stop everything in progress monitor, then go back and teach. And then three weeks later, stop everything and progress monitor. And it's like, what am I doing? Like, we don't have time for this. And depending on the number of kids that you have, that really is impossible. So you can Mm -hmm. stop everything and teach. I absolutely agree. You've got to find how can you work it into what you're already doing every day. Exactly. And then when you get organized with that, then you are going to see moments like, oh, I do need to step in and do an observation or do a quick assessment. But you wouldn't necessarily know that without having that organized system in place. How do you then organize or how do you coach people to organize the data that they collect? So if you are doing that Mm. spelling test and you're collecting data right in the moment, what do you do with that in that moment so that then it's not lost? Oh my gosh, that is, that's like a whole nother podcast, first of all. But I will say what worked for me and when I coached teachers, what didn't work for them? Everybody has their own system, right? Like some, some teachers will always have their phone on them for various reasons that are useful, like a timers and things like that. So that might be the system that they choose to use. I like paper and pencil, and then I like to input it into digital whether it's a tracker I had to use. Our school always changed things every year. So sometimes I was given a tracker, sometimes I made a tracker and so on. I like to to, um, 
I, I didn't mind taking the extra step to put it into there. What I did is I ended up taking data just all day, every day when I taught. I always had um, bottom of my lesson plans would have checklists. Yes, no, yes, no, yes. You know, and tally marks. And then I would input it and I always had more data than I needed. So inputting was how I organized it. But I would say, like, see what you feel the most comfortable with. I tend to make these amazing, like, you know, data binders, and then I would never use them. I would just grab a sticky note or grab the first page of the data binder and do frequency tracking, do a yes, no, do a checklist and so on. So that, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question exactly, but it is kind of finding the system that works for you, whether it's digital or paper. I take more data than I need. So then I would take that extra step. It made sense to me. And it was even better, like when I could just input it into the, the IEP system we had <laughs> for the quarterly tracking, like it was even better if I could cut out that extra step and put it directly into there. I think that's perfect. One thing as, to, as I've talked to a lot of special education teachers over the years is people feel like I have to have a cute binder, but I hate binders or people have to have a cute planner, but you know, I'm not really a planner kind of person or, oh, I have to go digital because it's 2022 and everything's digital. That's not true. Find what works for you. Whatever that happens to be, find it and use it. And, and, and I like that. I love that because it just reduces the pressure because my problem is I love binders and I love planners and I love digital and I love everything and I, and I've purchased them all and they're all beautiful and really great, but I use a piece of paper. I use a sticky note and I use like whatever um, crayon, you know, that is nearby to take quick data points. I would love to use the other things, but it's just not going to happen. Like I taught little, little ones. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn around, grab something. So I just grabbed what was in front of me. So yes, giving yourself at that break, like reducing that pressure and just using what works. You are doing a good job. We're just going to get it done. <laughs> and the end result is the same. So whether you have binders or planners or clip, I'm a clipboard person. Everything's on a clipboard. There's a clipboard for every single thing in my room. You know, if it's progress monitoring, there's a clipboard for that. If it's an initial assessment, yeah. there's a clipboard for that. That's my thing. That may not work for others. And so I think some people just need the permission to be like, I don't have to buy all the cute binders. I don't have to go yeah. digital. Do whatever. And it is a trial and error, but you also kind of know yourself like, you, yeah. you've been a student, you've been a teacher, you've kind of been in those roles to know, don't make me go digital. Cause I'm not good at digital or don't. <laughs> no one wants that. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I love that. I was always a work sample girl. I love collecting work samples. Cause I just think they speak so loudly. And so I would grab work sample samples, sticky notes would go on top of the work sample. And then meeting would come and I'd be like, have evidence of lots of things. Like, which one would you like to see? And I mean, it was so, it spoke so loud to families, I think, also, to see what their child was doing. Um, so, but everyone's got their own system that works. Yeah, even work samples over time, you know, being able to compare this year versus last year is also oh, I like really that. powerful. That's for me, I have students that I've had since kindergarten. And so now as they're third graders and they're going to leave me, I have literally every single year assessments that I've given to them and things that are in their folder. Oh. And it's so powerful. And especially, you know, some of our students' progress is slow. 
it's absolutely mm-hmm. amazing to be able to be like, you know, look, are we still behind grade level? Yes. But look where we've come. And so I agree. I love work samples and being able to then, then where do you put those things? How do you store, how do you recommend kind of storing and keeping those? Because that, again, comes back to organization. I know, but I can guarantee that my my system, no one has ever done before. <laughs> I um, worked really hard to get a classroom. Like over years of years, I was in the closets, in the hallways, in the cafeteria. I got a classroom like the last few years. And what I did is I, I was always like left the classroom as plain as possible. And I, my decor was always student work. So I had like the clothes line against the, the bulletin boards were student work. Everything was student work. <laughs> I had this amazing like clip system, like clips that held lots and lots of papers. I think you know where I'm going with this. And so every child on my caseload had their own clip. And I work and it was in chronological order because as I did work, I put it up, put it up, put it up. So when you look at it, you know, when you look at a beautiful bulletin board display and you see all the same images, but like variations because they've all done their own spin. Mine was not like that. Mine was just work. And, And it was amazing. And students loved it. Families loved it. Admin loved it. I loved it because I would go to a meeting. I'd be like, I can guarantee that is not taught in college <laughs> and no one would probably repeat that, but it worked. And at the end of the year that goes, but that's really amazing. Like that's genius because <laughs> then you've got everything that you could possibly need yeah. there. And it was in order yeah. and it was a decor item. Yeah. I mean, that's thinking smart. Down there. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, okay. So I think time-wise, we got to wrap it up or we're going to have the longest podcast. We can go on and on. However, there are still two topics that are big, differentiation and dealing with paraprofessionals, which I think are Mm -hmm. incredibly important for teachers. So is that on your YouTube channel? Is that they need to visit your blog? Why don't you kind of share, how can people find more about your other two I mean, like buckets of content that you have (laughs) that that people really, really struggle with. Oh, I would be happy to share. And thank you for the opportunity. I do get asked these four like themes over and over again. So I have created like resources and by resources, I mean like blog posts or YouTube videos or, um, or products or freebies that all kind of answer these questions that I'm asked. That's what I love to do. I will say I am just now starting, we're in the um, first month of it, starting to do a topic of the month. So then really you can pick wherever you want, whether it's my website or my email or my Facebook or whatever, and follow along with that topic. So this month we're talking about IEPs. I will say organizations coming up in June. So if you miss it, if you're listening to this, you know, two years from now, you of course can like go back and look. It'll all be there for you. But um, my website is called Positively Learning. And it really, everything's called Positively Learning. So you can pick what's easiest to learn from, whether you like to read or listen or um, just kind of get like small little tidbits on Instagram. That's perfect. That is absolutely perfect. And I'll link to that in the show notes. Also, too, if you don't care, I'll link to your swipe file and the YouTube video um, just so that then people can watch it and actually see kind of you go through that process, what it looks like. 
Um, because I think that would be incredibly valuable for people. And like you said, they could literally go do it today. Oh, absolutely. And the video is eight minutes. <laughs> it's very, very easy. It's just my screen. I'm just showing you on the screen how to build one. I do have one that is done and I am filling in more. I have this huge one place bundle and it's called Special Educators Resource Room. I would say it's actually, it was a membership, a monthly membership, but it just made more sense to give everybody access at one time instead of every month. So I turned it into a bundle and I put, I put the swipe file, you'll see in the video already in that bundle, so it's there. But I'm also gonna do a, um, a swipe file for each one of those categories so that you can use mine. I've like organized the blog posts, the YouTube videos, the docs that I already have created, they're all in there for you, or you can edit them, make them yourself. Uh, but those will be there at there as well. Wow, that's amazing. So you really have like a one-stop shop. Like when you download that bundle, then you have everything you need to help with all, you know, all of that. That's what I'm hoping. I mean, that's my goal. I have a section for paraprofessionals and for data collection and behavior support and, um, and definitely organization. But one of the best compliments I received was someone said she was, had taken a break, maternity leave, had come back to the classroom. And she said, all new. This is all new. Like I know things, but it seems very new. And the best compliment was that she said, I downloaded this and opened it up on my desktop and just kept it open every day. Wow. And I, cause it was all in one place. And I thought that's what I was hoping for. You can always get more. There's so many great things out there yeah. everywhere, yeah. but you don't have to, you know, like do that. Once you feel like you, that organization is in place, then yeah, glad. Go add more, go to Target and have some fun. But here it is in one place for you in the meantime. Wow, that sounds absolutely amazing. Thank you. All right. Well, I feel like my favorite quote, and I'm going to have to make it into an image for you, is plagiarize <laughs> yourself. <laughs> yep, that's what I'm going to be known for by the end. Yes, plagiarize yourself. <laughs> I love your tips, and I am so appreciative of you joining me today recording, sharing so many valuable nuggets as to just simplifying. Less is more. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Thank you. It's so nice talking with yes, you. Thank you. And have a great day. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the resource room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.